Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Let's grab ourselves a refreshment here. Get our posture cranked up. Let's have a good show, huh? Here we go. We've been having a hell of a week so far. Been busy as all hell. So. Okay, real quick here, episode 108. And thank you to our sponsors, Phillips Law. One billion plus, one for their clients, trusted and recommended since 1993. Over 1,800 plus Google reviews. Official partners of the AZ Arizona Cardinals and ASU Sun Devils. You need Phillips. And if you get hurt and you think it's a crock of shit, if you you get hurt somewhere and something funky's going on, this is a, a call line just for our people, our audience, family, and friends, and uh, legal advice free of charge, 602-388-1669, Phillips Law. And then we got the new merch out, sugarshop.co. We got the shirt and we got the glasses, so get it before it's gone. I'm here with um, my buddy Dave, aka the Schmo. He's in town. How come you're in town? Just wanted to get out, have a quick trip here to Phoenix. Because you're... You. And who else lives here? Your family? Um, I have family here too, but I want to see you, see Sugar, see Jared Cannonier. Yeah. Quick trip. And married life now. Soon. Engaged Soon. life. Engaged Damn. life. So did it go, did it go good, the, the proposal? The proposal went as planned, but I'm telling you, it wasn't smooth because really? we had a little bit of a wrinkle. There, we went to a mini golf course. Helen and I love mini golf. We play <laughs> mini golf in all the different cities we travel to. In Vegas, there's a Kiss mini golf course. Uh-huh. So I pre-planned everything with a video guy who I shoot. I do an, a small independent show called Up Next Fighting, where I do part of their broadcast team for mixed martial arts in Southern California. And Chris Coltor, he's a videographer there. Helen's never seen him before. He came out. I flew him out to video it to capture photos of the engagement. So I flew him out, we scoped out the scene, we had these mini golf plans and dinner plans, and then when we went to the mini golf course, it was empty, because we played at 3.30. We were getting ready, because it was right before Sugar's fight in Boston, we're going to go to uh, the New England area, see her sister for a couple days, and then go to the fight. So I wanted to get this done before her 32nd birthday, it was two days before her birthday, flew him out, um, Chris Couture to film everything, When we scoped out the scene, it was empty, and then when we came back an hour later... With Helen, obviously dolled up, and she had no idea he was hiding and and whatnot. The place was packed. Oh, it it worked. Yep. At the end of the day, it still worked, huh? How nice is it having a partner that like has a a passion of her own, dude? And like when you guys can hang out in in the night, she doesn't have to just be constantly talking about drama, talking about shit. You guys can just sit there in the night, maybe cook some meals, think about your own stuff. I feel bad for like. And I think it's hard for relationships to work when one person has a serious passion and they're thinking about it and they're thinking of ways to be more creative and grow it. And then their partner doesn't really have anything. 100%. I feel like half the battle sometimes is just trying to stay aligned with your work and be focused and battling your better half. Hey, I still need to work on this. I need another hour. I need another two hours. Mm. Fortunately with Helen, we never have that. She totally understands if I'm going to be unavailable, doing business deals, making calls, doing content, creating mm-hmm. content. She's doing the same thing if she's not training right now, but she totally gets it. So we're best friends. Like she can relate on every level and vice versa. And I feel like that is a huge, huge asset to have that a lot of people don't. Yeah. To have a successful relationship, I feel like long-term, like for sure. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have that also. Um, so you guys are, you guys are still living in the same joint and are you still doing the weekly podcast? So, Luckily, we uh, we moved into a house back in November, so the grind has paid off, but obviously not satisfied. You bought a house? We bought a house. Let's go. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. It'll be almost a year since we've been living there, once we hit in November. Bro, how big of a pain in the ass is buying a house? Like, Oh, my. It was the worst. Like, <laughs> do you know so many times the bank had to check on me because I run my own business. Like, yep. I had to do so many P&Ls. They had to check all these different boxes, and there was, like, literally four or five different times where I thought we were not going to get the house. Mm-hmm. And then I'm scrambling because you have to lock in an interest rate because it was soaring in Vegas. So we, we locked in a certain percentage. But 
It was definitely a mind fuck. Yeah. Through and through. Yeah, especially, I mean, the worst part is just the own business. Yes. And then oh. was it five years of taxes for yours or? Three? I think it was something like, I think it was something like three, but I had to literally go back and show everything. And I had to explain things to them and how, like, look, when they look at your vendors and they see like Google AdSense and stuff like that, they're like, what, what what's going on there? So, um, but to the point of the podcast, we put that on hold at the beginning uh, of the summer when Helen came out here to do a training camp to work with her sprint coach for her quest to for United States Olympic trials for swimming. And we are in the process of starting it up back, uh, back again, um, which should be in the next couple of months. But I'm working on something pretty big myself that's going to kind of work hand in hand that it involves all professional sports and entertainment, mm-hmm. kind of taking what I'm doing with the schmo and making it more of a, a morning sports show. That's what I'm working on right now. It's going to be awesome. I mean, there's so many people, I mean, thousands and thousands of people that would just kill to have your job. You got a pretty cool job. I appreciate that. But anyone could do it if they're willing to pay the piper and they're willing to make the sacrifices that's and the, the price. Thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, though. That's the tough part. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, if no one's going to give it to you, if no one's just going to give you the opportunity, you got to go out there and take it yourself. And mm-hmm. I guess that's what I did, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I continue to do. And I found the success in playing the character. Like Let me turn this thing up. 10, 15 years ago, you would ask me, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, someone someone say the schmo. If anyone would ever think of that, mm-hmm. I would say, what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And here I am. I'm mainly a schmo. That's what I do. Yeah, and literally being able to buy your own house, being your own boss, being able to have your own creativity, like building on your own your own shit. It's like freaking sweet. Do you feel thankful for that? I'm I'm grateful every single day. I have to count the blessings because there's so much always so much crap that we all have to deal with in our daily lives. And sometimes I feel like I have to catch myself when the little things it's never one thing that bothers me, but it's always a bunch of little things and then finally they add up and it's the straw that broke the camel's back and then I kind of flip out and Helen actually does an amazing job keeping me in check. Do you do you have yourself some good spaz outs sometimes? Like when you do you have like a <laughs> do you start throwing yourself around and scream in or punch stuff or get oh. abusive? No, oh, dude, the worst spazzes I used to have was in the car. And I lived in my 20s in LA and dealing with LA traffic and that I, I had to literally leave my house when I would work back in those days in corporate America or if I wanted to train. I'd have to wake up at four or five in the morning just so I could go to the gym before I would do my nine to five and just to beat traffic, just to force myself in mm-hmm. odd times. But the worst spaz is like one of my biggest pet peeves in life has always been being on other people's time. And I feel like with a lot of bad drivers and a lot of traffic, you're always stuck on someone else's time. So I used to spaz out in the car for traffic and all that but that was just killing me <laughs> helen's done an amazing job keeping me in check and i would say for the past couple of years like i've been a lot more laid back Stable. of a person yeah and like she so she knows how to kind of deal with it when she knows you're at that mo- like she knows how to just kind of give you space or yeah she'll she'll leave a room if she knows i'm about to like spaz out or mm. whatever but or just like we're really good at recognizing like if someone's out of line like like i'm a rational person i know that like I could fuck up mm-hmm. and then maybe an hour, couple hours later, day later, I'll come back and apologize. So maybe after some food or rest or just maybe a workout, you'll come back and be like, okay, fuck, I was acting crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know this just as well as I do. You can't let your woman be hangry, hungry, angry, cranky. Like you can't let them do that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, same. I mean, sometimes you just get pissed and you're like, I know I have no reason to be pissed. I'm just fucking pissed absolutely you just can't have that displaced anger at least do that to someone who's trying to help mm-hmm. you guys been smoking weed every day she never touches it i get a lot of creativity by being high um mm-hmm. don't smoke it as much as i have edibles but obviously that was always my reward system for working hard relaxing at night i would get high and write everything down that wow. was part of the creativity in i the think first place. i think if you're a healthy person think if you're a healthy person like working out and doing shit and then you smoke at night it fucking opens up something else in your brain to where if you need to be a creative person it fucking helps i'm so set on it does help the it creativity. does how do you feel about mushrooms and how does that affect if does that affect you and at all like I, weed i mean 
probably two, a year and a half ago, I was taking like 0.2 of a gram every day. And I felt a little bit of boost. I felt just kind of in a good mood. And I just kind of stopped. And I have a some mushrooms just sitting there waiting for me. But I don't tap in as much as I should. Mm. Do you tap in quite a bit? To be honest, no. I've only probably done it maybe count on one hand, mm-hmm. maybe two at most. And it's just mostly with my friends and um social settings i've never done it just for the exploratory i don't know if i fully ever tripped before um willing i mean as long within reason and not like drugs that can really kill you but i'm down to try anything at least once yeah i mean i've went real deep a couple times and so now no like doing it again is a little scary because it's like damn you're, you're going you're going into that place again which is a little scary uh talk someone in the higher ups in the oc was talking about how Cheeto started doing mushrooms during his training and during his fights. Did you hear about that? I was just listening to him on uh, Raw Talk with Bradley Martin. He talked about that? He was. They were talking about it. And actually, Cheeto and I have talked about this before. And I wonder when he started doing that, and I wonder after he started doing that, he had those shitty per- performances. I think he's a mushrooms or... Could have been. I, I don't know. I wonder if that's why he had those performances. When he got under Corey Sanhagen, it's like, holy shit, did you forget how to grapple? Maybe. I mean, that it's interesting because it, it's it's different for everybody under bright lights, different circumstances, different situations. Maybe he just didn't rise to the occasion for i know also was he doing them for the fights is that even legal or well well here's what i do know actually i can say this Mm -hmm. i actually was with him in training camp didn't their fight get pushed back a couple weeks like weren't they supposed to fight earlier no he was supposed to fight someone else okay so what my no excuses and i know he wouldn't make them either but i know he peaked too early for that camp. Like it's so funny. I literally told Sugar that. I'm like, it looks like he fucking just overtrained. He did. 100%. Because he was training twice. I yep. actually, he does sprints. As the schmo, I did some sprints with uh, with them. Like, mm-hmm. real sprints. Like, And I remember that was for the first training camp. And this would be the second. Because he t- essentially had two training camps. No excuses. I know he wouldn't make any, but. Yeah, I mean. Dude, you live, you, you learn. You get down to that close that weight, you're dialed in for that weight cut on that specific day, everything's right there, and then boom, hey, you got three more weeks. So there's not like so many experts in the area to be like, well, your body needs this certain amount of days off, and then you can pick it back up. It's just like, well, what do I do? Let's talk to my trainer. We don't it's like get back to work, get back to working hard and just right. beating your body to the ground. It did look like that, actually. It's weird. Yeah. So how did we how how did we get there? Mushrooms, Ma- yeah. Mushrooms, so um, I think he's just been dabbling in stuff for a long time. And what I do know is he won't spar or emulate fights high, but I know he's be willing to train high. I know mm-hmm. you and Sugar would train high, yeah. right? We get a little smoke, smoke. On days we're really competing, though, you're really competing and you want to be at your sharpest. We don't. But on days when it's like, God, it's been a long fight camp and we want to come in and just be creative on the mitts, turn on some good music and just kind of flow on the mitts and think of different things and... And then we then we do a little high, and I think I think it's good. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. I think uh, after you guys fight, all three of you guys would be really good friends. And I yeah, think what he I mean, also said was nothing that would emulate a real fight. He wouldn't be high for, but for creativity or just kind oh, of really? the things you just said. He said that in the raw talk. I believe so, yeah, and I, I he I believe he said it there, but I know him and I have had these conversations too. So I think he said it on both to be real, dude. Really, with any fighter, I'm like. If they walked into my gym and they weren't a fighter somewhere else, and they weren't the same as whatever we'd be friends with. I almost guarantee we're into all the same shit. How could you not be friends with someone? Oh, like for that? sure. I'm just saying, like, over all the people that I interact with and talk with, like, as someone who's going to be more than likely lined up on the other side of the cage, already has before, be a mm-hmm. second time. Um, there's so much in common between you guys mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I look forward to that. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that fight. I mean, it'd be cool if it's next. Who knows what's next? What what wouldn't be next? I think that just makes the most business sense. I mean, I think most people want to see that too. There's a storyline there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only loss on Sean's record 
is because of him. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's a first defense. Um, he is ranked six, but what are rankings, right? There's people who yeah. get title shots. Strickland was ranked five or six and beat Izzy. Yep. Yeah, what are rankings? It's like the UFC still a business. Whatever fight's going to be fucking banging, it's, that's what they're probably going to do. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So what do we got coming up? We got the middleweight division coming up. We got uh, Apollo and the comms out. That's that's sneaking up. Is that October? Is it's, that October 24th? Yeah, I think that's right. It's the Abu Dhabi UFC pay-per-view card. Um, So, I mean, what are they saying is going to be next? I mean, I feel like Strickland, I think, said before he beat beat Jared, and that was an easy fight. I feel like that they could make that. I mean, Jared's going to be healthy. But um, how do you know if Strickland's going to be out for a while? So I just saw Sean, and mm -hmm. I'm probably going to interview him next week, but I got to interview the first Sean champ before the second, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's the order of succession. It's uh, but we talked yesterday. I was in the gym just to see him. And uh, I have a feeling, and I think he announced this on his live too. He's not going to fight till early next year. So he's not going to fight like December. They still need a main event. That's, mm -hmm. that's why I'm asking you. Maybe it's Cheeto uh, and uh, sugar. I wish maybe who knows still don't know. Okay. Well, um, so I think that Jared weighed in. Cannoneer went all the way to Australia. He was the backup fighter just by that, him losing to Strickland, and that being a really close fight. His last fight, Jared Cannonier, he like set a middleweight striking record against Marvin Vittori or something with shots landed. Yep. Um, I think if you don't give Izzy the immediate rematch, which I'm not a fan of in this situation just because of the way the fight went down and Izzy already had an immediate rematch mm -hmm. against Pereira. You can't do that for all the fights. And yeah. I think a testament to Izzy is he's been such a great company, man. Who fights and defends their title more than Izzy? Like, I mean, well, look at his just his following and everything. He's a fucking superstar. Superstar. And I feel like... I guess because the sport's relatively young, like 30 years young, you can throw out Hall of Famer. That word gets, those words get thrown out more often than not in this sport, just, just by circumstance. But when you think of Izzy, that's a guaranteed walking Hall of Famer. Oh, 100%. It's like an all-timer. That's Fuck like yeah. somebody, like when you look at who's some of the best guys of all time who have competed in the UFC, you think of Izzy. Easily. Yeah. So, um, with that said, him for Streak as, as a number one contender fight would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then for Strickland, um, Cannoneer makes sense, but it's a business too. You wait for the winner of Hamza Apollo, and maybe that's what makes sense for Strickland. We'll see what they do. Yeah, I wonder if like Strickland and Coach Eric and stuff, they look at Kamzat and Paulo Costa more of a danger than Jared, or they're like, we fucking know how good Jared is. Obviously, going five rounds with, with Strickland like that, Play, well, playing Strickland's game and beating him at it. Well, I know that I know that I've watched Hamzat and Strickland train. I forgot gym. about that. I actually thought of that the other day. I'm like, I remember him telling people, Hey, Hamzat, don't beat up people smaller than you. Yep. He was, he was, uh, Cornish Strickland. He was going after like guys that were 55ers guys. And his reasoning was they would emulate the size of his opposition. So what's it going to look like when he's finally fighting someone who's his size? That's bigger? the thing that, but what's it? What's he going to look like fully fueled? That's a, a great point. Yeah. I, I love that point because what did we see him at? Like 180? We have seen him like early on in his career. He did fight 85. Maybe his first or second fight in the UFC was an 85er. Versus Gerald Merchardt, I think. And then, uh, but still, I mean, when you write, right when you get in the UFC, there's not, you're not near as famous. You don't have near as much money. After you start winning, these smart, smart people reach out to you. They want to work with you. Um, you have money now to pay people to do your blood work, to do your diet stuff. Maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's not. But you could see a, a, a comms out that's fucking scarier than before. Well, uh, two notes I want to say there about the blood work, too, a second. But I remember when Hamzat debuted at the UFC, I was there. First, first and second fight it was in Abu Dhabi during the pandemic and he just mauled people like I think it was somewhere like until the Gil Gilbert Burns fight he's only been clipped once or twice tops I by anybody I mean, 
yeah, Clipped was Gilbert Burns. Remember? Gilbert? No, no, until the Gilbert Burns. Oh, like Gilbert Burns had a lot of damage on him. A lot of people saw him as human after see him as human after that fight. Mm. Um, Gilbert almost won that fight. Yeah, again, that's why I'm so curious with Kamzat. I wonder how much he learned from that fight. Like, wow, these guys are so good that I can't sprint to Adam and take him out in five minutes. Like everyone. I- now I got to be smarter about my pacing and I got to be smarter about my energy or if he's just that same crazy fucker and he's going to go in there and sprint at everyone like that. Well, look what he did to Kevin Holland and Kevin Holland's a pretty good fighter. Yeah. He's solid. I mean, he's beaten the brakes off of some really good 85ers. Mm-hmm. Well, that was at 75, right? Which one? The Ke- Holland? Yeah. It was like a catchweight at 80, I think. Okay. Oh yeah, because he really missed weight. Comes out, he was like so. A remember, remember, it was like flip flopped in Nate yep. Diaz in his last fight in the UFC to date. Yeah, which, uh, which was uh, Tony Ferguson, which was a miracle in itself. Thinking back to that, like, oh my nice. god! But nice. still, Comzot. Yeah. Uh, so Strickland versus Comzot. Did you get to watch any of the sparring? Because there's something in in their mind that I know about this guy i felt his wrestling defense i felt i felt him on the feet i felt his power so they're both thinking something about that they both what i can say is they both know a lot about each other they both would know how things would feel yeah i wonder how many rounds they did did they do one because one you figure out a guy a little bit maybe the guy strikes with you and or did they do like five see what i remember seeing was like grappling oh so I bet I bet you, Kamzat was surprised with how good Strickland is on the ground. I bet, maybe. I I mean I watched. I mean it was their practices. There was times mm-hmm. that you know they practice, so they've done everything. I've seen them on the feet, mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah, and Strickland, it seems like he's got that that five round pace when he's boxing. He can it seemed like he could box literally for ten rounds. He's so efficient with his energy and that stance he uses. He's such an expert at it. But how much will that pace change, and what will change when you mix some hard wrestling scrambles in it? And it's a twenty five minute battle. Fuck. What do you? I what, hope Strickland comes out happens, bro. That would be so sweet. It'd be great. But I want to see how it does against Paulo. I'm still very, very stoked for that fight in Abu Dhabi. If it happens, of course, it's a wild card, right? Everyone's like, oh, is he can show up. Is it? That's I think like, it happens. But. I mean, that's two freak of natures going at it. It's crazy. It's specimen crazy, dude. Specimen. And it, I would be. What would change in that fight if it was five rounds? I don't know, but I can't wait for that fucking battle. Especially Kamzat. He's in Abu Dhabi in Dubai now, this crazy city, and he's a fucking star. Everywhere he goes, he's a star. And now Paulo Costa's flying to that country. All his people are going to show up to watch him scrap Paulo. I'm pumped for that card, dude. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be Fuck. cool. I'm really, really excited for that. Um, what do you make of Sean Strickland's, what, Philly shell, his boxing style? Do you think that's like... Uh, I think his defense is fantastic because of his style. I don't think anyone can manipulate that just because he's done so many, so much sparring. And people don't realize how long Sean Strickland's been in the UFC. He's been in the UFC almost a fucking decade. Yeah. So he's such a vet and he's such an expert at that, at, at that. His eyes are so good. His defense is so good. Um, I just think it's going to be hard for anyone to emulate that and if, for you to even try to emulate that you better have good wrestling and good grappling because if you don't you're going to get taken down so easy standing that tall like that and, and and strickland he checked all of izzy's kicks like so fucking good i was like jesus dude bro. after that first round how often was izzy kicking yeah he just couldn't get through to him he just really cut off his real estate and and izzy Unlike you don't really ever see, he was really not able to generate power mm-hmm. behind those punches because he didn't have the real estate in the room to operate with that he freely, freely normally does. Mm-hmm. And, and and dude, getting pressured like that, getting pressured like that, and that person's defense so good when you try to crack them and get some respect just to get them off you, and they defend it and they're right back on you. They defend it and they're right back on you. It's like. Dude, how astonished do you think Sean Strickland must have been when he just cracked Izzy with that one-two and he dropped him? Boom, boom. Oh, fuck. That was crazy. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people are talking about right now online. It's going around the greatest coaches in MMA right now. And I definitely think Eric, Coach Eric, is up there. He's one of those just, he seems like almost like a football-type motivational coach. He's going to say the right things when you need it and you're going to battle through. I think Coach Eugene 
I mean, all those guys that are such at a high level that respect him so much, and he's been in so many high-profile fights. I mean, and, and just look at his team in general. He's got to be up there too. 100%, and you are right. He does have a football background. I think he was a college football mm-hmm. player. Football was in his family genetics, his parents, grandparents. Like, he comes from a football background, football, military, I believe, family. Yeah. And, and, and he got to learn under Randy Couture, who's a, like a, a just good at ground and pound, an expert at ground and pound. Yeah, you have coaches out there that are, some are experts in both, like very technical jiu-jitsu, very technical striking, very technical wrestling, very technical MMA wrestling. And then maybe they're a little bit of motivators on the side. Or you have those coaches that are complete motivators. They're going to motivate you. They're going to set you up with different coaches that they think, and then they're going to be the motivators. Uh, there's all those different kinds of coaches. And then you have guys like Javi, and I don't know what Coach Eugene's background is in, in grappling, but I think he was more of a striker too, it seems. Yeah, but here's where I want to chime in and give you your flowers. Like, How many UFC champions right now or even throughout time – have a unique situation and the team that you, Sugar, that you guys have, that you're the head coach of. Mm -hmm. Look what you've done. Look what you're doing. Look what kind of, what I love about Sugar Sean O'Malley, he's doing a lot of things to change the game. Like uh, not even comparing it, it's hard, but like think of the sport of basketball. Think of Steph Curry, right? The way Steph Curry has changed the NBA with his ability to shoot. Greatest shooter of all time. Don't know where you'd grade him. Is one of the greatest point guards or greatest shooting guards. What do you even call him? He's like a hybrid guard. He can play both. He's the greatest shooter of all time. He's changed the game. Kids shoot from far distance and everything. With the way Sugar has built, the way he's built his team, the way you guys run this team, how it's different, championship, popularity, it's Steph Curry like where you're creating your own lane. Fuck, it's yeah, it's so weird. Just the the timing of everything too and I mean, Sugar being a crazy kid and and not being able to just act his true self and be a crazy fucker. And yeah, I guess the way we just kind of grew up together it is crazy fucking story to think when when I really think about it, it's fucking crazy. You guys are from Montana. <laughs> fucking fucking Hicks from Montana. Yeah. Jesus, it's so weird how everything played out and all the all the good things I've got to learn from like coaches like Robert Fallis and lessons I got to learn from like Greg Jackson being on the show with him and lessons from John Crouch and and then being able to give them back to Sugar in the way because it's weird with him. He's he's not big on authority. So if you have a coach telling him, no, do it this way, and people yelling at him, he'll like always just question it and he'll steer away from authority. So it's he's he's way better coached as almost a friend and saying hey i'm looking out for the best of you and we can bounce these ideas back and forth but this is what i think tell me what you think compared to coaches like you're doing it this way you're doing it this way he'd always like not like that that's huge yeah that's um that's fascinating yeah i mean because at the end of the day when that cage door closes it's just you in there you and your opponent Mm -hmm. and nobody's gonna save you but you yeah and yeah and it's just like yeah, the relationship is is, is big, but Huge. just him being able to perform under those fucking lights, dude. When the lights turn on, he's just such a competitor. And I think when we were coming up, like I said, 18, 19 years old, when you're still trying to figure out your way, 20, 21, and reading these books, these like uh, different kind of sports psychology books at a young age and just reading that. When your mind goes through this, when your mind goes through this, you should counter it with this. I think that really helped and put him on a good track on how, just how to work hard but his work ethic and just his athleticism and just his way to be in the moment perform is unlike fucking anyone it just it seems like if i were to be around like a michael jordan type athlete like that that's what i think it would be like wow that's just dialed in 100 mm-hmm. percent. yeah no cracks no chinks in the armor it's just being laser focused on the the mission at hand and when you have the pressure on you like that boston like and then asking him just even after the fact, like, how did you feel? Like, never, no nerves. Just super fucking calm and just present. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's like, Jesus, dude. I've been around so many guys and vets and different fighters and cornered hundreds and hundreds of people. Never seen nothing like that. It's weird. It's like a manifestation too, right? It's like a moment that he's always felt he would eventually arrive to. Mm-hmm. And when he got there, he did what he always felt he was meant to do. It's it's 
amazing. It's a superstar. Spe yeah, especially what we had going on too. Like I was way probably way more stressed out than he was. I'm like, fuck, we did not get to prepare him how I wanted. Like I really wanted to prepare him, but we did focus on like focus on what we can control, and it worked out. It was fucking crazy. That hand speed, you just cracked and. You know, that right hand puts mm -hmm. lights out. I mean, yeah. his hand speed, his reaction time, that's what it is, too. His 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 reaction time Yes, is legendary. And, it, and it's not only in that sport. You play other sports with him. We play pickleball, we play honeyball, we <laughs> shoot basketball. We do that. He's like that in, like, a lot of sports. It's very twitchy, too. It's mm -hmm. crazy. It's good. So, with yeah, with, with Cheeto, it's like, is Cheeto going to need to, and, and obviously in fighting it's impossible, but is he going to need to get lucky with something like that? Because right now, where they're both at, Cheeto mm -hmm. stylistically versus Sugar, if you look at it on paper, in a big cage, in a huge moment like that, it's like... I I don't see how Cheeto would make similar mistakes that... He wouldn't make the same mistake I believe Aljamain made in that fight. I think he's a way better striker. I think he's a lot more disciplined, too. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, striking isn't Aljo's forte, Let's be real. It's grappling. It's yeah. wrestling. Like, yeah. um, he's become a better striker each time out. But Sugar in that fight definitely had the length. He had the, although Aljo was lengthy too, but he definitely had the striking advantage. You, have, I mean, yeah, I that's mean, the real. That's the real talk. I mean, yeah, definitely. So against Cheeto, it's going to be interesting because. There's a lot of strengths that Cheeto has that nullifies a lot of the strengths that Sean does, but I think they both are substantially better. Mm -hmm. And because of the injury to Sean during that fight, there's a feeling of this is just incomplete. And I totally get that because we never saw how it was going to play out mm -hmm. if that never happened per se. So it's uh it's going to be very interesting to see because someone's got advantages somewhere mm -hmm. and whoever gets those out first is going to win this fight. Yep, and who's going to make it happen in in that particular moment? It's yep. going to be uh it's going to be good. I think the big arena and all the noise and the fucking chaos and that place is going to be erupt. Yeah. I th I think it was Silent. It was in the apex. Their first fight. That's the thing, and, and I think I think they spar hard at at Aruka Camp, and it's similar to the apex. A big cage. They're quiet in there, so I think that's where Cheeto can kind of thrive. But in the big pressure moments, when there's a lot of pressure, and it's all down to that twenty five minutes. Yeah, I'm pumped. We got to get we got to get them ready. But I'm gonna put my money on put my money on Sean, obviously. But it's gonna Why be fucking you? tough. It's yeah. gonna be tough. It's not like an easy fight for no. sure. He's gonna go, he's got to come in there durable and ready to for a fucking twenty five minute war. At the end of the day, I mean, you can argue the bantamweight division is the deepest division in the sport. Like you could take all those guys. It's gonna be a tough fight. Marab's a tough fight, mm -hmm. and that's what is that win streak that he's on? Like ten fights, mm -hmm. um, whatever it is. He's a tough fight, but Cheeto is certainly worthy. And Cheeto's a great fight. Sanhig is a great fight. It doesn't matter who Sugar fights because they're all going to be great fights. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be crazy for sure. For sure. And then we got Charles versus Islam. Mm. It seems like that division is just like there's not really anybody after. I mean, Dustin, I guess, is a big fight versus Islam. Yeah. Dustin, but he's coming off that knockout loss to Gaethje. True. And and then I remember Habib talking about it on this podcast. I think he did it with the PBD podcast. And he was talking about he knew Justin Gaethje got to Abu Dhabi like eight days or nine days or whatever, 10 days before. And he knows how bad that jet lag is from doing it for so long. And he knew he was going to feel sluggish and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see Gaethje versus Islam. That's a big fucking fight, don't you think? 100% Gaethje was really hurting Khabib's leg in the first round until Khabib was like, all right, no more of this. He, when he took him down, he submitted him the way he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But while that fight was standing, Justin was doing great to the leg. Justin, I just interviewed Fazeev, and then I remembered how amazing of the striking Fazeev had, mm -hmm. has, and how good did Justin look when he beat him. I would not be surprised at all if Justin knocked him out. Me neither. I'd be like, he could yeah i would sure. love to see gaethje get another title opportunity and this time against um islam but 
it's unpredictable what's going to happen till then, you know? Mm -hmm. So right now, are you doing any workouts? Are you running? Are you, uh, what kind of workouts are you doing? I'm not as consistent as I want to be. Um, but I would say I'm doing like a lot of full body stuff right now. It's kind of more like German volume training, more bodybuilding type stuff. Like, like a lot of like, like squats, like Romanian deadlifts, Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I'm doing more yoga than anything else if I'm going to be right that, now at the time. Yeah. And that just makes you feel good. Limber. Dude, stretching. Lo- yoga. Limber. It's like if I have an hour and a half, I'm going to do yoga. For a whole hour? Hour and a half. Damn, that's fucking impressive. It's honestly the only thing. And there's meditation involved in it too Fuck towards yeah. the end. I would say like the straight, strong yoga pose shit is for the first 45, 50 minutes. Honestly, do you know what it is? I have an old DVD of P90X. It's the Yoga X in P90X. Oh, and it's good. It's awesome. Damn. Yeah, if you're just wanting to feel good, I mean, I mean, maybe a, a little mixture, but compared to just if I'm just going in there and I'm just lifting heavyweights, I'm deadlifting, I'm squatting heavyweights three times a week, I'm doing it to get strong. You're probably going to sleep like shit. Your back's going to be sore. You're going to be fucking stiff compared to mixing in with the yoga or even just doing yoga feel way better so much better and then before i was doing all that i was doing more like metcon stuff a lot of kettlebells full body stuff sled push pushing and all that different stuff i was feeling great so i just go through phases where i switch it all up and then when helen qualifies for olympic trials i'm going to train for an iron man because i've done a half before but i'm going to try to do a full shit that'll be cool do you listen to music or you just go quiet well, you can't listen to music in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done both for running, for music or no music. And then when I'm actually riding a bike, no music for sure. So probably mostly no music. And mostly are your thoughts kind of just bounce around about everything when you're doing it? Yeah, it's kind of like being high without getting – when you're in the runner's high, it's like being high without the bag or anything like that. But it's a different type of high. But you're literally thinking about things or concentrated like you would be in a dream you're concentrated on that and the time just flies by yeah that's pretty badass i always wanted to do i don't think i could do a big triathlon i think my fucking i'm just too fat my no, body dude there's there's some, a like, big triathlon there's like like guys with guts that do that's like try it's a and different and their type joints of hold up it's a, it's a different type of cardio yeah the joints i think the worst thing that would happen to me from all that training is like my left hip gets really impinged, like it gets really tight. So I really have to loosen that up. But that's from being in the saddle for so long. Mm-hmm. But honestly, swimming is nothing on your joints. Running could be tough on your joints, but the smart people find clay trails. Mm-hmm. Damn sweet. So you're thinking about cruising over overseas to Dylan and Logan fight. Yeah, I was just telling you about that. I think it would be worthwhile. I think, uh, look, at the end of the day and, and – what you guys recommend to recognize too is like combat sports are great, but they have a vast audience and it's crossed over into this uh, influencer space and they're still going in there. Some of these guys are, are pros, you know, they're, they're not wearing the headgear or anything like that. They're not doing amateur fights and at least they're going for it. It crosses over to a different audience. I mean, fuck, uh, Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis, Dylan's shit talking. That's nuts. KSI, Tommy Ferry. John Fury is the biggest character who I've never interviewed yet. I would love to interview John Fury. I think it would be electric. The Schmo and John Fury, electric. Oh, fuck yeah, it would be for sure. Just those Fury guys are so good at talking shit and oh just God. selling a fight. Oh and Tyson, God. he jumps up with his mic. And Tommy even just, I feel like, kind of smoked KSI in that face-to-face a little bit. Smoked him. Then you got John Fury on the side pitching into his two cents. Did you watch the Fury series on Netflix? I've I started it a little bit and... It's funny because Tyson Fury, for sure one of my top five favorite interviews of all time, one of the best charismatic people of this generation, for sure. Athletes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that show's so fucking good. I, w- I already finished it. I wish there was season two. Uh, but I think that that trip would probably be worth it. For oh, yeah. Sure, oh, yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That'll be sweet. Because how, how long of a flight is that? Probably eight to nine hours, um, I'd imagine. And I don't know if there's direct gets in Manchester, so probably got to stop at London Heathrow. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing compared to the Abu Dhabi shit. No, dude, they, we were on planes for like 16 hours, 17 hours. And, and on the Abu Dhabi trips, did you get your own, uh, own like, row? 
Uh, more than half the trips, yeah. Oh, I think I felt like as we continued to go there, uh, the planes would get more and more full because remember how empty they were at the beginning of the pandemic, and then slowly more people started uh, uh, traveling again. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where at the end people would fill up, but that, the that changes it, huh? Yeah, you can just does. fucking fully lay out. Well, here's some news here: Usman Nurmagomedov is reportedly in early negotiations to sign with the UFC. So, I did Bellator come out with anything? Is that going to be their last show coming up, or these last couple? Dude, it's interesting. So this last. This next show where Usman's competing—that's that just broke that news that you just read. Well, that's what that—that's what a tweet was. Oh they're, shit! They're in early negotiations. Well, dude, because his last fight might be this next title defense at UFC 300 at uh at um Southern Cal Southern California at the Indy Casino. We gotta, we gotta fly, dude. Beat the fuck out of that, that thing. fucking fly, man. <laughs> How do we get a fly in here? I don't know. Probably Jay's shoes or something. Oh, dude. Um. <laughs> Is he is he hanging around Sugar's uh, chicken farm too much? Yeah, no shit. That's funny. That's funny. Um, yeah, I, you, Bellator three hundred is in uh, what is the Indian casino? Pechanga Resort and Casino in San Diego. That's where Bellator three hundred is, and I think that's his last fight. And that's coming that, up. That's his last fight, or it might be. It's next week, I think, or two weeks. They're in Dublin, I think, with the Johnny Eblen. Mm. That Edward kid's a fight. stud. I wouldn't mind seeing that Johnny Eblen in the UFC. I've watched him spar Sean Strickland. Now that is a great battle, huh? battles. They're they're very 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 good. Competitive, like, tr- competitive. Like Fuck yeah, bro. great rounds. That kid's, that kid's super. Skilled. I, I honestly think that would be an amazing fight. From what I've seen, that would be an amazing fight. Oh, for sure. Uh, God, you just feel bad for all these Bellator guys because some some Bellator guys they're making some decent cheddar. I mean, forty and 40, 30 and thirty. And now you're hoping you're exciting enough to, for the UFC to negotiate with you. But really, if the if UFC negotiates with you, unless you got some good negotiator who's going to sell you, you're probably going to get on a 12 and 12. So now you're back to 24K when maybe you were making 80K. It's like, fuck. Or or the UFC's like, ah, there's just your fights aren't exciting enough. Now what? Now you get to go to LFA to fight someone just as tough in a lot of cases for t- literally 1200 and 1200 or 2000 and 2000 now it's like holy fuck i went from decent living made it making 80k sometimes maybe over 100k to now like fuck i gotta make fuck it sucks dude that's a lot of stress on fighters gotta be are they uh is the pfl potentially buying bellator too or would pfl sign some of these guys yeah and I, i bet they will i bet they will sign some of them for sure they have like saudi money coming in pfl yeah yeah that would make that would make sense so yeah who knows maybe they might just like let's try to take over hopefully for the people but like someone like henry corrales even i'd like to see him in the ufc Mm. imagine henry corrales at 145 fucking (laughs) fighting some of these guys yeah guys like josh emmett or just like any of these top guys would be fucking sick yeah he's relentless he just cracks hard too. He's just fucking ruthless. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, so Aljo hasn't really said if he's going to go to one forty five or not. It just sucks for Aljo. It's like, uh, it's like he could be good as fuck at one forty five. I mean, one thirty five. Okay, yeah, you're depleted. Whatever, everyone's depleted. He probably is not that much more depleted than everyone else. But thirty five, you have snipers like at. Sean's a fucking sniper. If you make a mistake, you lunge in, you 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 start to stop pulling your hands back to your uh, your chin, or you're trying you square up your stance and you're just throwing slow punches. He's gonna snipe your fucking chin, and at 135, you're gonna fall a lot easier. He probably would do decent at 145. Guys are a little bit slower. He's still he's gonna be a beastly. He's gonna be even a stronger grappler than he was. He is funky. I mean, what do you think? Who would you have him fight? Like, like, if he well, wanted to go up tomorrow, right, and, and who would you give him? Would you give him a top 10, top 5 well, championship what, fight? What would you do? What about testing the waters with Dan Ige? Dan Ige's got a big fight this weekend against Bryce Mitchell. Yes, that'll be sweet. So maybe the winner of that fight. Imagine that. That would be interesting. I think he would probably be competitive. I think he's him and Bryce are friends. I believe they've trained. I'm, I bet you he's trained Dan Ige, too, being at Extreme Couture. Absolutely. He must. That's very interesting. Who, do you like Dan Ige in the Bryce Mitchell fight? I 
I think so. I think so. I think he's going to be prepared with good enough wrestlers because the stuff that Bryce Mitchell does, it is not like, whoa, whoa that was crazy slick. He comes out, he tries to hit hit some shots from the open, and if, and if Danny Ige can shut those shots down from the open, Danny Ige fucking hits hard. It's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. Fuck, uh, Sean sent me just something. Oh, he said they, in your interview with him, he said they have something special that's going to happen, right? Did that pop up or not? I think Sean sent me that. Let me let me play it right here. Maybe it wasn't your interview. Yeah, I'm fucking high too. So yeah, which which Sean? Which Sean? Yeah, sugar. Wait, which did, did you have an interview with Bryce recently? Yeah, Mitchell. yeah, 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 yeah. He did say that. He did say that. So I just interviewed Bryce. I interviewed Ige. Man, I'm high too. Yeah, so I, I'm not the high one. You no, are. we both are. We both are. I interviewed. Um, Dan Ige in Salt Lake City right after they announced he's fighting Bryce. Oh. Um, I just interviewed Bryce a couple days ago. Um, he's got really good training partners. Um, his mindset's really, really strong. Bryce, in, Bryce has good training partners. Yes, Bryce. For, for this fight, I think so. Mm -hmm. um, but Ige always has great training partners, so there's no advantage for Bryce or anything when Ige's got amazing access with what he does at Extreme. I think... Dan's for sure going to have a strength advantage. I know his strength and conditioning program versus Bryce. I like, I know that Bryce is that farm strength. It is. Too. It is. It's just, I just don't think the consistency in that lifestyle, the consistency, I'm just not saying anything wrong, but is it the same consistency as you know what you're getting every single time with Ige and then the ice bass, all the recovery for it? I mean, I mean, living in Vegas, having Heather to work on you. Yes, you're uh, the, next to the, you're the PA any day you want. You're, you're, you're taking the right fuel to recover from these workouts. Um, you're, you have high level coaches. I mean, and that coach, I mean, Coach Eric can get any expert in any discipline on you so mm -hmm. he can put the pieces together so you're training like an elite professional compared to bryce who's a tough redneck kid he's got pretty good jiu-jitsu good wrestling and maybe he had five eggs for dinner because he didn't want to go get bread and then not sleeping great because you got to go the cow's pregnant or something like that yeah how much is that going to be a be Different. here's what i know is going to happen first in the fight and then we'll see what bryce does to react from there but i'm very confident Ige is going to put him in a position to cut off the real estate that he wants and to put him in a position to take the fight where he wants and then how bryce will react to that will be a very early indicator of how this fight's going to go so you think it'll be Ige backing him up not bryce coming forward trying to take him down the initial exchange i think mm. it would be do you think bryce would shoot right off the bat then I'd real then then he really is surprising me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I can't wait for the fight. Mm -hmm. It's a great fight. Because right now, 45 champ, it just seems like it's kind of just kind of a little bit stuck. I mean, for I think for diehards though, that Ilya Torpuria fight versus Volk is such a sweet fight. I want to see that fight. I think because it, both are so technically good. I think it happens early next year. That's, That's what's fight. next, probably. Yeah. Fuck, that's gonna be cool. I can see that happening. And then it's like with these champions too. You think they're just not gonna be beat, but it's like people don't understand the damage you take for so many five round fight camps and how hard that is in your body and how hard it is to keep longevity. Always preparing for five rounds when this guy gets a title shot and he's gonna. He, I mean, he's gonna train his hardest. And how hungry are you after you just keep winning? And do you, to be, keep your longevity long, do you start changing training a little bit, just taking it back because it's, it's hard on your body? You're also getting older because how old's Volk? 36? Yeah, he's in his mid-30s. And those big weight cuts too, fuck, it's just hard to say. I still, I never get over the fact how much weight Volk cut at the beginning of his career, like playing rugby, the equivalent of like 214 pounds. Yeah. Like how many weight divisions that guy went down. Yeah. Crazy. He's fucking scary, dude. He's a scary dude just because he's so fucking thick and durable. You see his calves. It's like, I bet you his leg kicks hurt. Oh, my people. gosh. Oh, yeah. You think it's uh, more likely that Sugar fights a 145 champion or fights a boxing champion? Just right now with boxing, like, who's a big enough to star to make, like, a huge fight? Like, a Floyd. Maybe Floyd. Like for a, Sugar? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, for Sugar. Yeah, for sure. A, a fight to where it's like even close to 
anything. Because is Gervonta's really a huge star? I saw, obviously, Gervonta, he's a big star, but of course he's not going to be at Floyd's level. Yeah. Um, The other one, I, I mean, was, was there Ryan Garcia, who obviously lost to Tank, mm-hmm. but was Ryan Garcia and, and, and Sugar chirping at all about boxing? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Ryan Garcia's like, you stay in your lane, you'll get knocked out or something. Mm. Sean said, like, you did. Or, but, or, like. But he's got a big following, too. But what happens just like in Saudi, if someone wants to see Gervonta or Sugar or throw in Ryan Garcia, just like they're doing for Francis Nagano and Tyson Fury. Yeah, but then it's like Sean and UFC's relationship so good. They're business partners, and they want to continue to grow. Yeah, so, Dana, so, so Dana would have to be on board. So maybe, And maybe he would be. If if there Super was a boxing, yeah. If there was a star that could make it worth it, then they would probably be down to do and it. And put Callum Walsh on the card. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of spike him up too. It'd be sweet. It'd be fucking sweet. Like, I think it, if there are certain fighters that, if they really want to do boxing, the crossover should be there. But it should only be big events. That could be a big event. I think so too. And and the fact that Sean's not—it's not like he's a grappler. He fucking KOs people. He's an exciting guy. 135, skinny dude, and he flatlines people. So, I mean, it, I think it'd be sweet. And and I think Sean would, people hate it when you say oh, you want a box. <laughs> I think people would be surprised how competitive it would be. He's uh, le- learned a lot from Connor, like with, with the pacing, with everything. Learned a lot. Like, we'd be ready for a fight like that. He's an undefeated professional boxer. Yep. Yep. Okay, how about this? We'll change directions a little bit. Naval says, you ever, you know who Naval Ravikant is at all? He was on Joe Rogan's. He wrote a couple books that are really good. I think, oh, fuck, I already gave that one away. But you would really like the book. Send, send me what it is. I'll, I'll get it. You would I'll love it. It's myself. a super easy read, and you're just like, it's it's so good. I think I feel like that should be required reading for people. I like um, that. This was just a random one from him, though. So he said, if you don't own a piece of a business, you don't have a path towards financial freedom. I think that's pretty good. I I agree. Because even if you have a job, okay, you're making 120 grand a year or 100, whatever it is, you're comfortable. But then, now, okay, now you got your car payment, you got your house payment, you got all this. And now you need, you have to keep trading your time for that set amount of money. Um, and nowadays it's just, I feel like it's just so much, if you can be creative, easier to start a business. I do. I think, uh, at the end of the day though, it's going to come down to how bad does somebody want it? Because you have to put in the work, you have to be willing to pay the price. And to the, to the point of that quote, like if you own a piece of it, you have the equity, you have the stake, you you want to build it, you want to build something for you, you need to do that. But if you're always chasing, which is building for somebody else, are you truly going to be passionate for what you're building if it's never going to be something you can call your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even for your, your business, like you just love MMA, you love being the character, you love being creative. So there's nothing really even in your job that you it's not even like it's really work. No, every day I wait. Every day I wake up and I say it feels like Saturday. Like yeah. I love what I do. I just my premise is wake up every day, talk sports and entertain. And even right now, if I'm completely blunt, I feel so unsatisfied with where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. I feel like I'd be doing myself a disservice if I just coasted from here on out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you got to this level, you're comfortable, you're making good money, you're you're popular in mixed martial arts. It's like I love this. But I would like to do all sports, all entertainment. Martial arts will always be my number one. Mm-hmm. It will always be my favorite sports to cover. Yep. But I still like doing all the other stuff and that's kind of this next transition that I'm currently working on right now. Like, let's call what I'm doing phase two. Phase three would involve a greater scale. Mm-hmm. And the schmo and the pro is just one component of that. So you, it really makes you pumped up to just thinking about what's possible. Is there anybody that you get to look up to in like your field to where it's like, damn, that's, that's H- possible. hundred percent. Pat McAfee. No, no doubt about it. You know who that is, yep. right? Sugar's been on a show. Yep. I look at what he did, and he obviously was a professional football player, actually an amazing punter. You look at punters, 53-man roster, one of the most 
quote unquote least important positions in football. However, when you need it, when they're called upon, they are necessary. And he always delivered. In fact, he was like all decade. He was great. He played with Peyton Manning. He was charismatic. He did the McGregor walk when he had a great plays. He made some tackles. He was awesome. And then he was able to brand himself. And what sets him apart is he's mastered multiple verticals. What I mean by that is He's known in WWE. He gets to do the commentating, which is something I'm working on. I, when I do my up next fighting, and Pat I do McAfee my, does. Yes, mm-hmm. he does WWE commentating. He does his own channel, his own show, the and, Pat McAfee his show, li- and it's live, right? Live. It's like Damn. a modern day Dan Patrick, but even better in many ways because they're bringing on the best talent. The guys like Aaron Rodgers, for example, he's like a weekly guest. Even now with his torn Achilles. He was last year when he's healthy and even injured throughout. That's loyalty. Mm -hmm. They built those relationships. AJ Hawk, great linebacker. He's always on the podcast. Pac-Man Jones is on there now. He brings in all these guys and he talks to the best of the best in NFL, NBA, MMA, boxing, whoever you name it. And um, also ESPN, as desperate as they are, because they've totally lost touch with the younger community and neglected the next generation of broadcast talent. Um, They had to put themselves in a position to buy him, essentially. So they take his show, which he's still monetizing on YouTube, still watching the unrated version, Disney to bleep out their words, and it lives on both platforms, and And he's making money in both ways. That's fucking genius. And now ESPN... So I'm surprised ESPN didn't buy the complete rights and said you can't go on YouTube. Or he probably just put that into the deal like, no, I'm keeping it on YouTube. Like, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but I think he hit a home run because I still see him playing it on his platforms. It's, yeah, it's so sweet. And like ESPN, even you turn on ESPN maybe a Saturday. I mean, not right now, obviously, because of football. Or maybe some random day. And there's uh, like cornhole on or bowling on. And... We were talking about it. I think we were talking about Dana or no, John Shahidi and some of those guys looking at some of the views. Yeah. And it's like sometimes 50,000, sometimes 40,000. Sometimes it's like, that's on ESPN. Yeah, like it's, what? It's just lost. So, so he though, he does college football for them. He does NFL football for them. He does WWE. So he does everything and he masters it. Runs his own show, has his own squad and he lists them up. And I look at him as the pinnacle of what I'm trying to do. That's fucking sweet. That's so sweet. I wonder how many, like, how big his team is for that live show that he does on YouTube. Like, is it a 10-people team? Is it a five-people team? It's pretty sweet. It's bigger than our teams. Yeah, that's badass, though. But he, he probably had to start somewhere, or did he go straight into just I don't being know. Huge? That's a good question. Um, No, I know he worked. I mean, he worked for Barstool Sports, actually, pretty early on. Do you ever, did you ever have talks with uh, Barstool and that guy? Uh, what's his face, Dave? I've met Dave once. It, the funny thing is, I've met Dave once, and I was with GSP. <laughs> uh, I went. It was like 2018. I was doing like a product shoot with Tim Tam Recovery, which GSP was a part of. We trained out of Enzo Gracie's in New York, and then we went to Barstool for him. So he met me. I was wearing my glasses, and all he said to me was, nice glasses. He was nice, and that was it. That's that was it, our huh? only exchange, nice glasses. Hmm. But... I have huge respect for him. I think I love what he's doing with uh, pizza reviews, mm-hmm. small businesses, and I love how outspoken he is. And he's someone also I look at is like, okay, this is what's possible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, have you been kind of grinding on Snapchat? It's funny. Um, I have Snapchat. I have someone who kind of just takes my schmo and the pro and does it for mm-hmm. me. I'd lo- I think I need to get into doing it more myself. Yeah, it seems like it's just starting to take over. It's crazy. Crazy the amount of views. Like Bradley Martin came over the other day. And he was telling me how many views he gets on there. Sean's when the fight time comes. Uh, yeah, so it's just another platform to get on, but still kind of fun. You, get, you get to be creative. You just It's just literally automated system that takes my the Schmo and the Pro long-form interviews and makes them into series. But And that's you're using AI doing that or someone else? I think someone's using AI to do it. They're like just splitting the percentage with me. And did you start a business profile on it? Like, or was it just a public profile? I think it's a business profile, Hmm. but I don't know actually. Yeah. For your content. I check that out. Maybe we'll switch directions here. We're we're almost done here, but how much do you think porn is fucking up guys? (sighs) I listen to this podcast. 
No, well, Mariah was actually telling me about it. I haven't listened to it yet, but she was telling me some of the main points. Just talking about how guy, a guy, if a guy's a four, he could expect to like want a girl who's like a ten or like a hot, hot girl just because he has access to porn every day, and you can just pretty much fuck the hottest chick you want anytime you want. Uh, I mean, it's got to be fucking kids up, dude. It's got to be. Yeah, especially because everyone's got a phone, and I'm sure young bucks right yeah. man imagine right when you were first getting your first bone and you had this phone that could look up anything wow i'd be, i'd probably be i probably wouldn't be where i'm at i'd be fucking just Dude, i just i just feel yeah. like the Damn it. i feel like i don't want to sound like an old head and shit like that but i just feel like education is going down i just feel like or is it going up Okay, well, when I say education, I know their access to shit is going up, but that's also clouding all this other stuff that's coming in, mm -hmm. and the message gets confusing or gets, they're, they're just not as dialed. It's just, there's too much information, there's too much, so everyone's just distracted all the time, and they're never focused on smaller but more important things. Yeah, and I talk about it all the time. I just, I still, it's hard for me to relate because I'm not a parent and I can't even imagine how hard it is. But these, I mean, these parents still want to live their life in their, in their late 20s and their low, their, their 30s. And they can just get an hour or two for free if you just stick this kid in front of the iPad. Anytime you want to shut them up, just put them in front of the iPad or put them on TikTok or put them on whatever, wow. whatever it is. And now they have this free time. So it's probably hard but it's so crazy because you can really see it in the gym with the, the kids that uh, train. The ones who really monitor their kids on those tablets and phones compared to the kids that are always playing them. The kids that are always playing them want to quit jujitsu because it's hard and it's just not stimulating to the mind. The other kids are, some of them are quitting just because they, and they just come in with their parent and just watch their tablet like this for the whole two hours. I'm like, fuck. Dude. That's crazy. See, that's, that's what worries me, man. That's what worries yeah. me about the future of society right then and there. Yeah, so it's like, what the hell do you do? People, like, I can't imagine, like, in college, right? It was after college is when all the dating apps came out. And then I knew what it was like living in my 20s in Los Angeles and having all these dating apps. You were swiping? All the time. And for all these different shit, and it was so easy, and it was just such a different way of meeting girls. What, so when you were doing it, were you, would you ask for a first date, or would you say, like, get straight to the point and really start flirting? Depends what mood I was in. Sometimes I would get the girl's number, and I'd FaceTime them before I met them. Oh. I was creative with that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people have caught on by now, decades later, but or that, a decade and, later. And that made them comfortable right off the rip yeah because you know some people get get catfish some people Fuck aren't yeah. what they, they some people want to like photoshop the photo or just use someone else you mm -hmm. never know what people I was so you do that so a lot of times you'd say okay what's your number and then you'd facetime them yeah this was in my 20s yeah, yeah. mid-20s and then you'd say you want to go out to eat or do you want to come over a drink I, I wouldn't meet people anywhere so you'd do drinks at your house oh uh, I actually didn't invite people to my house, actually, ever. Uh, uh, not the first time. That would be weird. So if you were drinking, where would you do drinks? Just meet at a, like a local spot. Oh, okay. And or then, a park. And then, and then or, shoot the shit. And then, yeah, and then try to get flirty enough to... Were you looking for a relationship at that time, or were you looking to just smash bisques? I was looking to smash, mm -hmm. probably. So then you'd, so you'd start flirting and just kind of see where they were at with that? See yeah. See what, what feedback you'd get? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the but this is like a whole another life ago because I know if you know this was way yeah, before decades the days. ago, yeah. decade ago. It's like I was a different person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, fuck, Tinder's Tinder is a tough game. It was guys. Tinder, and then I remember I was big on Bumble, and those were the those mm -hmm. were the apps. So those young bucks that are looking to get some puss or looking to maybe get girlfriend, whatever, they won't need they need help on that shit. Well, I was gonna say that's fucked people up because. I, you know the way how I interacted, even on an app, I had to learn something from meeting girls in person in college, high school, whatever it was. I can't imagine growing up as a kid and your interactions are just through texting on a on a phone. It would have been completely fucked. Like, 
terrible. You have no oh, people God. skills, no social skills. You have no. You don't know how to be a gentleman. You don't know how to treat someone. I learned how yeah. to be a gentleman by by fucking up, mm-hmm. not by, you know. Yeah, and then it's like, and then these young kids they look at the porn and they think that every girl's just like that. Every girl just wants to get fucked like that. Or you don't oh, even need to dude. warm them up, and they're all going to be sluts, and they all want to just be smacked. Like maybe they do, but these kids are learning it from the fucking phones dude it's crazy it, and it's like they're they're having those phones at such a young age are they going to be more advanced versions than us or are they just all going to be depressed and the suicide rate's just going to be so fucking high because they can't get any fulfillment yeah that's deep it's it's a situation where you're always going to be living your life through emotions from and stimulations from a phone through likes through comments yeah. engagement it's and like how much for you, for me, I mean, you get at least an hour and a half of yoga a day to mm-hmm. get a break from that phone. For me, I get a break from the phone pretty much when I'm training, when I'm teaching, I get a break from the phone. So that's a nice little break. But it's even between them, it's like I'm always on that fucking thing. I'm always on it. And it's it's like part of my business, though, too. Same. Yeah. As you know, as you know, but um, it's tough. It's you got to balance. You got to physically Put it in a different room. Take your mind off of it. Just give yourself that me time that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. For real. So, all right, brother. Where are we at for time, Jay? Over an hour. Fucking thanks for coming on, Dave. I feel like we could just talk all day. Yeah, dude, that was good. That was fun. That little bit of weed smoke uh, got us flowing a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. So when you're doing your podcast and stuff, how long do you prepare for your uh, shows? You so just gotta put it in your notes. It's been a minute, but um I, I would when we were doing it very consistently, we're gonna go back to it. Um I I would how do how long do I prepare? I'd give myself at least 20, 30 minutes. 20, 30 minutes to just go get on the computer, kind of whip something up. Just know just you know, have directions. Like I, I always would give myself an outline about things I would want to hit, mm-hmm. but you, I always give myself room, which I feel like we did, like just to go off and allow the conversation to flow, have yeah. a free flowing tangent. Yeah, for sure. Just definitely, there's the art of art of it. I mean, fucking Joe Rogan when he gets on there and he talks guys for three, four hours. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. It's incredible how much information he knows. Oh, geez, it's fucking crazy. It's pretty sweet. So. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Hey, what what's your Instagram again? Uh, at the schmo three one two. At the schmo three one two. Go check out his stuff. He's got some of the best interviews. They're always good. They're always good questions. They're always entertaining. Uh, go check out schmo stuff. And what's the YouTube? Your YouTube. The schmo. The schmo on YouTube. So that's episode two fifty two, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Phillips. Phillips Law. Phillips Law. Shop. Co. And I'm on Snapchat now. Uh, Tim Welch. Mt. And then you got to click the public profile and add it from there and uh, come along. So, all right, guys, hit the like and subscribe button. Appreciate it so much. Love you. Bye-bye.